like we do all this investment. We invest in our retirement. Why don't we invest in relationships? Invest in your relationship by learning how to conflict, how to conflict wisely and how to communicate effectively so that you can build strong relationships. And so we have what we call the three C's of pivotal conversations. You know, I think that God ranks relationships as the most important thing in life. When he said, you know, um, I, I believe it was a Jewish religious expert that came to him and said, teacher, you know, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's about relationship with him. And then love your neighbor as yourself. That's about relationship. And who's closer to us than the people who live? with us in our house. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Rooted in Christ podcast. My name is Eric Stevens. I'm the founder of Redwood Christian Ministries. And with me today, I have my new friend, Ann Visser. Ann, how are you doing today? I am great. Thanks, Eric. And it's a pleasure to be here on the Rooted in Christ podcast. I'm honored to be here today. Well, thank you for being here. We appreciate having you. I am honored that you are on the show because you are a a life coach, a relationship coach. You are an amazing guest speaker, Um, family woman. I I just, I I literally have a list of things I could say about you, but I think (laughs) I'm going to let you tell a little bit of of your story. So one, thank you again for being here today, but uh, give us, let's go ahead and just dive right in. So just tell us about your background. Where'd you grow up and where are you from? (laughs) Absolutely. So I'm from Eastern Canada, born and raised, and I live on a small island. It's called the Million Acre Farm, Prince Edward Island. My father's family actually came to Prince Edward Island in the 1700s. So our family has been here for a very long time. (laughs) And so I currently live two miles, just the next community over. uh, I I moved two miles away, Eric. In a in a little fishing village, it's called Victoria by the Sea. It is so charming and so lovely. And 80% of the tourists that come to Prince Edward Island pass through Victoria by the Sea. Wow. So let's dive into your, your background a little bit. So I wanted you, because you have an amazing testimony. So I just wanted you just to give, give the audience just a little bit of insight about some more of your, your life story and then how that's playing into some of the things you're doing today. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I grew up in the country. My dad was a tradesman in the service industry and my mom was his bookkeeper. And my mom and dad really loved each other and they modeled that for us. Um, they were affectionate with one another. Um, and so I am the middle child. I have two older brothers and two younger siblings. My mom was really musical. And so she played piano and taught my mom, my sister, and I had a chord on the guitar and we would occasionally play together. And that was, that was just so much fun to play together. Um, my, my childhood is not idyllic though. I, I don't want to give that impression either. My mom suffered with depression and a lot of fear. And just she worried a lot about the business as well. And so as a little girl coming home from school, you never quite knew. I never quite knew what the mood of the home would be coming through the door. And there wasn't much help back then. And it wasn't even really identified at that time. And so she did the best she could with what she had. She always had noise in the background. So there was always a radio playing or the TV was going. I grew up on soaps like the edge of night. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I grew up listening to every news story that was going, and this is important to my testimony, the Cuban Missile Crisis, this the energy crisis of the 70s, environmental concerns, Vietnam War. So I was full of fear, too. I was full of fear, too. Um, I My dad grew up on a farm, and he loved animals. And so we had uh, a barnyard full of animals, particularly. I love the horses. And so this was my place to go to decompress. It was a safe place to be. It was a safe place to spill everything. The horses heard my teen crushes. They they heard about when I was mad at mom and dad. They heard, they heard about when I was in trouble with teachers or when I was struggling with friends. They heard it all. And I was a poor student. And so they they got to hear that too. I actually didn't learn to read until I was 15. So I managed to keep up with grades until grade five, and then everything came crashing down until teachers were pushing me through. And so that's important to my faith journey as well. And so mom and dad took took us, they didn't take us to church, they actually sent us to church. And so we walked to the local church just around the corner. And I don't remember hearing the gospel there. And I don't remember hearing a message of hope there. In fact, I remember walking home from church and raising my little fist up to heaven and just yelling at God, why did you make me? Because I hate this place. Wow. Right. I can't believe as a little girl, I was feeling so passionate about that. I did not want to be here. I did not want to be here. And so at the age of 15, one summer, I met a a young man and I shamelessly chased him. I just wanted a date. I just wanted a date. And so I was writing him notes in his uh, in his uh, desk and leaving them there in his desk. And he would write me back. And when I asked for a date, he said no. (laughs) Because I wasn't a Christian. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I was puzzled about how he knew I wasn't a Christian. I I thought that was an internal thing. So I was curious about how did you, how do you know, like, how do you know? And um, I was so attracted to him though, because he wasn't like the other guys who were out on the weekends drinking. He seemed to live life with purpose and intention. He was leading in our school. He was a school photographer. He was developing his own photos. He was leading in his church. And in fact, in the Maritime Young Peoples. And so he really loved to learn. And I was so attracted to this faith in him. He had this confidence in God that I I had never seen before. This was new to me. And I was so hungry. Mm. I was so hungry to learn more and so curious. And so I had all kinds of questions to ask him. And he encouraged me, read your Bible, read your Bible. And I had a brand new Bible that I had never cracked open. In fact, I remember the great disappointment that I had when my parents gave me a Bible for Christmas. (laughs) What kind of gift is this? (laughs) That is not, I don't know many kids that ask for that for Christmas. Yeah, that's, (laughs) praise God for the ones who do. I'm just saying, I don't know very many. I know I was not one of them. I'm not going to speak for anybody. I'm just talking about myself right now. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? I remember the disappointment. Now I was grateful for it. At least I had a Bible to read. And so I started to read in John like this young man had, had 
and encouraged me to. And, and, uh, you know, it, it starts with in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was, the word was with God and he was with God in the beginning. And this just just all Greek to me. I <laughs> didn't understand what I was reading. I had so many hard questions for him. Like, if there's a God in heaven, why do bad things happen to people? If there's a God in heaven, why do children in Africa starve? Poor guy, right? He's trying to answer these questions as a teenager that, that Christians all over the world have a hard time answering. If there's a God, why is there war? Uh, why is the Vietnam War if there's a God in heaven? And But I, I was so hungry and I was so attracted to what I saw in him. I kept reading. And then months later down the road, I understanding nothing. And I was just in great frustration. I got down on my knees in my father's barnyard mm. and I cried out to God with the only verse that I knew. <laughs> you promised me, you promised me if I would seek you, I would find you, but where are you? I can't find you. And it was in that moment that it was like, God came over me with this comforting presence. And it was like, he said to me, I'm here. And I've made you for a purpose, on purpose, and I am yours and you are mine. And I didn't pray that typical sinner's prayer, but I knew who I was. I knew I was a mess <laughs> and I knew I needed hope and he is my hope. And he, something shifted in my heart that I can't even explain, but I was, it was like I was new again. And God just spoke to that place, that painful place that was in my little 15-year-old heart. And that when he said, like, I, I am with you, I am with you, and that he made me for a purpose, and that it, there's a reason why I'm here. And that night, I, I remember racing back to my room, and I cracked open the Bible, and it was like the words on the page were just bouncing off the page. It was like, oh, that's what that means. It was, you know, the Holy Spirit was just opening up my mind to God's word and helping me to understand um, through his spirit what the words on the page actually meant. Mm -hmm. And so he really spoke to my heart in a way that, you know, somebody had said to me later that night, that's okay, this is going to pass. And I said, oh, no, something big has changed. I am never mm -hmm. going to be the same again. <laughs> yeah, and that started my journey with God that uh, to this day, he's everything to me, Eric. I started to attend young people's um, and I had never seen young people have a good time without alcohol. I grew up uh, in knowing alcohol and, and what alcohol does when it's used to an extreme. And so I had already decided before I was a Christian at the age of 15, I was not going to live in an addictive home. And so interesting that I had broken up with a boyfriend. I was only 15, but because there was alcohol in the car and there was drinking and driving, I said, I'm not going to have anything to do with that. But here God did the impossible and gave a little girl hope where there was no hope. And I embraced all of what he had for me. And I um, loved reading the word of God immediately. He put this love for God's word in my heart that hadn't been there before, <laughs> miraculously so, <laughs> and embraced all these wonderful activities that the young people were involved in. Um, and uh, 
I did get a date, by the way. <laughs> I did get my date. And uh, we fell head over heels for each other. And then three years later, we married. And I still remember the photographer said to us, I've never seen a couple look at each other the way the two of you look at each other. And so this began um, our journey together uh, with uh, with God and Jesus Christ. And I'm just so grateful. My, I am like that person who's walking in the desert and who is so thirsty and so hungry. And somebody comes along and it's Jesus and he gives me a drink of water. And I am forever in his debt, mm. <laughs> forever, forever in his debt. Wow. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. I was I I knew the the answer that you got your date. I just wanted the audience to to hear it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you you had a lot of experiences with relationships growing up that that have helped shape some of the things that that you're you're doing to today. So, as far as growing up goes, how was the communication around your relationships growing up? Because that's kind of I kind of want you to touch on that because that that's a huge piece of a lot of the things you're doing um, right now. So what was the communication like growing up for you hmm. in, in your home and through other relationships you had? In my married life or in our home home? Either one you like to to share. It's entirely up to you. Yeah. Well, For Better Forever, which is our company, was really mm -hmm. born out of our marriage, <laughs> interestingly enough. And so if I can share that, Eric, mm -hmm. I'd love to share that with your audience too. So um, yeah, so we married. And then one month after we were married, I was pregnant and very, very sick and on the couch. And so I know now that that's not a great way to start marriage. And that in those first several years, we're forming systems for how we do marriage, which isn't very romantic, but that's what we're doing uh, for how we communicate, for for how we listen to each other or don't, um, for how we conflict together, for how we spend our money, for how we express our faith in Jesus Christ. All of that is being worked out together in the first several years that we're married. And I was very sick on the couch. And then we had five kids in six years. Mm. Yeah. And so there were a lot of external pressures pressing in on our marriage. And on top of that, my husband was new to farming. He's a farmer and he didn't know what he was doing in the beginning. And he often came home frustrated. And so you take a busy farm life and you take a busy family life, those external pressures. But then we had these internal pressures. We did not know how to communicate what was happening. We did not know how to communicate about those challenges we were facing, external challenges that we're facing. So we were not conflicting well. In fact, we both avoided conflict we didn't want to hurt each other. We both avoided conflict. And in the midst of that, now I know there are some really important things that are that we need to conflict about. And but we didn't know how to conflict about that. And so this emotional distance grew in our marriage. And I have a friend who calls it creeping separateness. We, we just grew apart is what happened. And then I remember the moment that actually changed everything too. We were on a date. We were sitting in our farm truck outside our favorite restaurant, and I just looked at him and I said, I can't do this anymore. And he looked at me and he said, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean you can't do this anymore? And I said, I can't do marriage like this anymore. We just keep hurting each other. We never resolve anything. And I'm so hurt and I'm so tired. We had had this conversation before, but. This night, it struck a chord with him. 
And he opened up and he started to share his pain. I missed his pain. I think I was really busy with our five little ones and um, and my own pain. And I think when we're in pain, it it sometimes masks what we see in other people. And I hadn't seen his pain. And so for the first time in a very long time, he shared his heart with me. And we we said, like, we recommitted to each other. We're just, we're going to figure this out. In fact, when we married, we said, if we need help, we're going to get the help we need. We should have said when we need help. And that's what I tell my pre-married couples now. When you need help, call me, message me sooner than later. Don't wait until it stacks up. Don't stack up all that pain like we did. You don't have to do that. Get help sooner than later. And so, but we recommitted to each other. We would get the help that we needed. And we did. We found a book called Making Love Last Forever, which is by Gary Smalley. And we applied the lessons that he was learning. We didn't just read it. We read it, but we applied the lessons we were learning. And he helped us to learn how to communicate better. We were such babies in communication. We knew so little. We were just, we had so much to learn. And God started to reshape our character and to grow us uh, individually. And then personally too, because I think that in marriage, we bring a hundred percent of ourselves to the marriage. And I, if I am healthy, I will attract healthy people to me and I will attract healthy to me. And so I think it's really important to continue to grow in our character and our personal development so that we can bring a good me to the marriage and be better together. And so For Better Forever was born out of this struggle that we had because we looked at each other and we said, we have to share this with other people. I am sure there are other couples out there who they're not toxic. We weren't toxic. I do believe that if we had continued on the way we were going, we could have become toxic, but we were not toxic. We were a difficult couple who lacked skills that we needed to have in order to be healthy together. And so we called our, it was a non-for-profit in the beginning for better forever, because I truly believe that God is the God of generations. And we believe that he doesn't just call us as individuals, but he calls whole families to himself. And he's interested in the next generation and he's interested in us uh, modeling godly behavior and godly and sharing godly beliefs and God's word with the next generation and the next generation so that his word continues on for, for generations. And so then we began to partner with other churches to host marriage events. We brought in speakers in the beginning, and then we started to share our own resources and what God was sharing in us. And from that, uh, we went to coaches training with the Maxwell Leadership Certification Training, which changed our lives again. It was another pivotal moment, learning to how to coach uh, individuals and couples. And then from there, it just spread out to teaching young people, you know, the singles and the singles again, uh, with a program called How to Avoid Falling for a Jerk. Mm. Love the program written by Dr. John Van Epp. It's not our own material, but it's a fantastic program based on attachment theory about how relationships grow and about how to slow it down so that we don't fall too deeply in love with somebody that in the end we don't like because they are toxic. And so this is a beautiful program that uh, I love to teach. And we just finished actually five weeks of virtually online, my first virtual course uh, for, for how to avoid falling for a jerk. 
And uh, then um, through through uh, that program, I've been able to teach uh, and train addicts in recovery in our local jail and in a recovery home for addicts to support them in their sobriety, because we know that relationships and personal growth is essential. Hmm. It's essential in order for them to stay sober. Um, they need those personal growth and relationship values and principles that are godly uh, to support their sobriety. And now I have a membership for Christian women, which I absolutely love. It's called the Sisterhood Journey Membership. We have four lanes of communication there. We talk about God talk and our relationship with Papa. We talk about self-talk, you know, biblically-based truths. How do we talk to ourselves? Um, And then we look at the people talk, which is pivotal lanes, and then leadership talk. What you say to yourself is so important. Because what you say to yourself is eventually going to come out in conversations you have with other people. And it is very important. And you know what you put inside. It is very important what is going in and how you are, because that's also going to shape the things you're saying to yourself, especially when nobody's around. That is that is phenomenal. I was going to ask if you were doing this virtually. How um, how often do you do you do that virtually? Or do you have any planned or scheduled? Are you taking clients and customers right now? Like what what does that look like for you? Yes, we are running the How to Avoid Falling for a Jerk um, uh, frequently um, now that we have it up and running. And uh, I've been teaching that course for 10 years, so it's a powerful course. Um, The Sisterhood Journey membership is opened. All The Gold membership is open all the time. Uh, That's online. And the Diamond membership is open twice a year. And that's where we get the group coaching calls. And we're on three times a, a month. It's a it's great accountability. And these women are getting results. They're uh, walking away from toxic relationships that are not salvageable. They're improving great, good marriages that, that they just want to be better marriages. Um, they are finding dream jobs, which wasn't something that was my intent. But when you start to talk to yourself better, you start to see more of what God has. We like, we start to see more of what God has for us. And And so that was a result that I hadn't expected. I wanted to be able to provide a safe place for women to come messy and to feel safe, to talk about where they are and to learn from each other. And so it's a tightly facilitated group um, that's a positive group for, for women to come and to grow in who they are in Christ. So if I could ask for some free advice for the audience <laughs> without you giving away all of your tips and secrets, if if someone said, how can I build and sustain a quality relationship? Like, what would you say to them? What advice would you give to them? Oh, I love this question. Cause number one, I would say invest, 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 invest in your relationship. Um, like we go for checkups for our teeth. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. When was the last time you were at the dentist? Like it wasn't that long ago, I'm guessing. Right. It wasn't. It wasn't. Matter of fact, it's coming up again in January. (laughs) (laughs) Mine too. (laughs) So we invest in our teeth. We invest in our cars. We we change the oil regularly. Um, They we have to have winter tires on our car. We do a checkup then on our car. Like we do all this investment. We invest in our retirement. Why don't we invest in relationships? Invest in your relationship by learning how to conflict. How to conflict. Why? 
wisely and how to communicate effectively so that you can build strong relationships. And so we have what we call the three C's of pivotal conversations. You know, I think that God ranks relationships as the most important thing in life. When he said, you know, um, I, I believe it was a Jewish religious expert that came to him and said, teacher, you know, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's about relationship with him. And then love your neighbor as yourself. That's about relationship. And who's closer to us than the people who live with us in our house? Right. In so invest in those relationships. I think it's important to invest in regular training and in personal growth training um, because God is always shaping our character and who we are. He's always on the go, right? Every day there is a new lesson to learn uh in him about what he has for us and and how we can treat other people and how we can communicate more effectively. And so I think that it's important to continue to invest in those relationships and invest in your ability to communicate and your ability to conflict in healthy, wise, and godly ways. All right. Next next tough question then I'm going to ask. So why do you think people avoid conflict or avoid these type or avoid difficult conversations in general? Hmm. I think one of the biggest reasons that we avoid them is that vulnerability piece. And that, that was one of the problems that we were facing, the challenges that we were facing in our marriage. Now, there are different levels to communication. So there are parts where we can share our facts about the day. We can share our opinions <laughs> about our favorite team that somebody else might not like. Uh, we can... <laughs> and then, But then we go deeper and we start to share our needs our feelings and our needs. And the deepest level of sharing is when you get to share your needs. And when we share our needs, it's so risky. Every step deeper into that communication level, those levels take you deeper and they take you into more vulnerability. Like if I share my opinion about a team uh, that you don't like, that's not so deep, right? But you may not like it. it may tick me off a little bit that you don't appreciate my team, Eric. <laughs> But then when I go deeper and I share with my husband, I just need a hug right now. I've had mm, a bad day. Right. And he 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 has two options. Like he can just walk away and not do that. Or he can come to me or I can go to him and we can hug. And so that's a deeper level. That vulnerability piece, we didn't know how to be vulnerable. We were avoiding asking for what we needed. Many times I didn't even know what I needed. So you can't ask for what you need if you don't know. My husband is more than willing to to help me meet those needs. And of course, not every need. That would be ridiculous and not godly to rely on one person to meet all your needs. But he's more than willing to love me. But I didn't even know how to ask for what I needed because mm. I didn't know myself. And so... That's why we say the first C of pivotal conversations is to check emotions, because there we're going to understand our inner world and take an internal temperature about what am I feeling? What is it that I'm worried about here? Because if it's a pivotal conversation, there's something I'm worried about. And what is it that I want? And those questions came out of our journey in our marriage. And they're powerful questions. When I know that, it kind of helps me to settle down. Okay. And even sometimes I can recognize that what I want is not godly and is not even reasonable. <laughs> and that's incredibly helpful mm. because then I can tail, I can just shift what it is that I, I'm wanting to make it a better ask, a better want. But another reason why my people avoid these pivotal conversations is because they want to keep 
the peace. Mm. My women are so kind-hearted and they're, they don't want to hurt their people. And they're afraid that if they ask for what they need, it's going to hurt somebody. And so they don't want conflict. And they're so agreeable that they defer to other people frequently. Um, my people tend to be people pleasers or recovering people pleasers. And so they easily give up what they want for other people to please other people and to make other people happy. And of course, we know that that's challenging both to relationships with others and to our relationship with our father, because he's the one we're pleasing, right? He's that ultimate one that we are pleasing. There's another caveat here, I think, that we've been taught in church that mm. I think we've been taught to be nice. Mm. And I don't good. disagree. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree. <laughs> and so the idea of conflict um, is is seen as being opposite to being nice and to being good. And so I think we avoid conflict because we think it's not a good thing to do. And the reality of conflict is that conflict is the doorway of to intimacy. And this is one of the things we learned from Gary Smalley. And I was so mad when I heard him say that conflict is the doorway. I don't want to conflict, but I want this closeness with my husband. But when we conflict, um, it's into me, you see. So when we conflict, I get to see into you, but then you get to see into my heart too and what's happening inside there. And then we discovered something else about conflict and intimacy. We discovered that not only do we get to see into each other, but we get to see more into our own heart and what's really going on there. Because we say things in the midst of conflict that are kind of hiding there, but we don't say them outright because either we haven't known about them or we just haven't um, wanted to express that thing that is kind of hiding out there that we're afraid to share with someone else. But in the midst of conflict, some of those things come up. So I get to see more into my own heart. Mm. And so keeping the peace is not helpful. Mm. That's not helpful. Yeah, I, I think that some people truly need to be told that meekness doesn't mean weakness. And meekness also doesn't mean to just let someone walk all over you either. But not letting someone walk all over you doesn't mean you have to just come at them aggressively. There's ways, there's healthy ways to, to do these things. You know, sometimes you think about shepherding the flock, shepherds protect sheep from wolves. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's not always pretty, <laughs> but you, there's, there's certain roles that I, I think sometimes people really don't always know how to express themselves because of things that they may have gone through in the past, or they try to talk to someone and that experience went south. So they think that every experience may end up being this way and they were well blessed are the peacekeepers. Well, sometimes to keep the peace we have to have some type of, of conversation or, or discussion because leaving those things buried, they just get piled on and piled on and piled on and piled on. And then you, it's a volcano. And then you end up exploding on someone who they may have had nothing to do with what originally caused this issue. So it's, I hear you, it's better to talk it out. And you, yes. you, you've touched on this, but I'm, I'm just curious what the direct answer is. So how would you describe or define what healthy conflict really looks like and what it really is? Right. So uh, we know from God's word that, you know, whoever's slow to anger is better than the mighty. So we know that we need to kind of slow that anger down. Um, 
and we know that if you sin in the midst of anger, that's not a good thing. So that's not the way to communicate or conflict either. So I believe that there are different ways to conflict. There are the passive communicators. Um, they don't ask for what they need. I was very passive. They don't ask for what they need. And so they get frustrated and angry like you talked about. And that volcano happens because it builds like that, just like you said. But then there are the aggressive communicators. So they have no trouble telling you what they want, and what they need. <laughs> and they step all over everyone else to get what they need. And so that's not a healthy people. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a healthy way to communicate either. And so then there are the passive aggressive communicators. You got to smush those two together and people pleasers can be passive aggressive because they do not address the situation clearly and concisely. And so they make other people guess about what it is that they want. So they don't get their needs met either because they're making you guess and you could be wrong. And then they're upset that you're wrong. So these are all unhealthy ways to conflict. So healthy communication is the assertive communication. So they do that internal work. They check their emotions. So they are in constant awareness of what's happening inside of them. And when something rises up because they're in touch, they have this emotional temperature that they're taking. So they're in touch with their emotions. So they recognize that their emotions are indicators and they're telling them that something's happening inside right now, but they don't let their emotions dictate their communication or their conflict. And so they are able to ask for what they need effectively and concisely while still valuing other people. And I think that's the piece that we sometimes miss. And so in healthy conflict, um, I take the time to understand my inner world, to communicate effectively and concisely my feelings, my worries, my needs, all while valuing the other person's feelings, values, feelings, worries, and needs too, even if I don't agree. And mm -hmm. I recognize I don't have to agree with you in order to listen to you and to care deeply about what it is that's bothering you or challenging you or whatever's happening in your day today that's making you behave maybe not in a way that's the best. Right. You know, I've seen it where I've been at my worst and my husband has been at his best. I'm like, okay, I really appreciate that. We can do that on, you know, on, on different days. So healthy communication actually, or conflict pulls us closer together in that intimacy, in that intimacy you see, rather than pulling us further apart. And I now love that about conflict. And so the mindset around it is not to be afraid of conflict and not to be afraid of stepping into it and to have an expectation that I'm going to learn something here about you and you're going to learn something about me and it's going to help us be better friends. It's going to pull us together instead of pushing us further apart. And so I believe that that's what healthy conflict is all about and why we need the three C's of pivotal conversations. This is so good. I am actually just diving into um, the life coaching piece of Redwood and the relationship coaching piece and just started taking taking clients. And I've actually, I've applied something you said to the way I build my teams at, at church, something I've been doing for a while. I build my teams around my weaknesses because usually it all, it all but guarantees when I'm weak, one of them will be strong. And then it also helps me not to micromanage in any way, shape or form, because I already know going in, they're good at what they do. They know what they're doing. I can just let 
God's talent shine through them and let them do what they do. And I can either pray for them, clear roadblocks and whatever I need to do as the the pastor that over and, and the head of that ministry to help get things out of their way. But mm-hmm. I've, it is that, that principle of that, that really works that. So that's, thank you for sharing that. That's really good. And I really think that's brilliant to build your team that way, Eric, because, and it's just, it's, it's humbling uh, and recognizing, hey, you're far better at sales or marketing or how, whatever piece is missing. If that's the pieces that are missing in my world. <laughs> I'm yeah. a better coach and I'm a better speaker. Let me do what I'm good at. And that right. frees up your time to do what you're really good at. And I think that's the best way to build a business. It is really helpful because some of those folks are, are like my really good friends. So they're like, Eric, this idea, we can't do this. This is really bad. Like, we, like you need to scale this back a little bit and bring down these expectations. You know? <laughs> so it, it helps. It, it helps to have to be able to, to the point of having that, that healthy conflict because no one's about to leave that room upset because we're having, we're just having healthy conversations. So this is, this is really good. I, I thank you for sharing everything you shared so far. Which actually yeah. brings in the piece. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm curious on your perspective on men and women in conflict. Do you find that men are better at leaving that room in that way uh, after a conflict, Eric? Or do you think that women are better at leaving the room? I have seen that go both ways. Okay. I it is a from my experience, I've had about a solid 50-50 split. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I've I've seen that go both ways. Um, because I've seen it because of past experiences. And it's one of the things that I've always taught, and this is Andy Stanley all the way, is his book, Ask It, is I, I absolutely love that because he has he poses a question based off um your your past experiences, your current circumstances, and your future hopes and dreams. What is the wise thing for you to do? So this is one of the things I talk to people about in the very beginning, because it has to deal with making wise decisions. Mm -hmm. So usually if one of them, for example, struggles with anger, that person is getting out of there quickly because of their past experience. We're in the current circumstance and for the future, I'm trying not to have this problem again. So I've seen about a 50-50 split of (laughs) I'm getting out of here before I say something I'm going to regret. Um, (laughs) Because part of that is is my testimony that I can speak to. Look, I said this out of anger, and it caused a lot of damage. And I, you know, and I had to do some apologizing even after I got saved. Um, so I've I've seen that happen both ways. Um, that's me. I know that may not be what the audience wants to hear, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I appreciate your perspective, yeah. Eric, and and those words that come out of our mouth in in that way they can't be taken back they're remembered in the minds and hearts of people and so a good thing to it's a good thing to leave the room and cool down especially to let your people know i need a break i need 20 minutes half an hour or let's discuss this tomorrow <laughs> yeah and honest that's come from see this i always talk about i my head pastor pours into my life and in those moments where I'm really about to explode, I usually call him and he's like, you need to take 24 hours before you say anything, just wait. And if 24 hours isn't enough, take whatever days you need to think this through before you say something you can't take back and then you have regret. 
So I, I I recommend that book by Andy Stanley to a lot of people. It's it's one of my favorite books. I probably read it five or six times by now and taught lessons on it because it's because wisdom outranks legal and illegal and right and wrong. It's what is it yes. is so it is it is directed to the individual. You know, I yes. it's you know, I tell people I don't drink because of my past. I have a very addictive personality, but that addiction can be positive and negative. When it was for weight loss. It was very positive when you're talking about drugs and alcohol this was negative <laughs> so it's just something i stay away from because the wise thing for me to do is to not even touch it and get to that point so we don't have to yep. go back to where we used to be so that's my longer answer to say i've seen it it's about 50 50 for me <laughs> i love that wisdom piece and how it's individually applied and God knows our hearts, right? And and He will tell us when we seek His wisdom, understanding, and insight—the kind that Daniel had—then um, we can we can have that for ourselves. And so, know those wise decisions to make. Love Andy Stanley too, and and listen to the series on YouTube. So I I wrote that book down. I'm gonna have a look at that. Um, and if you want that book, actually has a um, it has a DVD series too that he has the shorts of those videos which um you can which make great connect group series for like um oh. life group series for churches or small groups also in that dvd series he currently had the full sermons are also on there if you actually want to sit there and watch the full message um the the connect group or the life group piece is about 15 to 30 minutes an episode and they are so good because it, it stimulates it's it is convicting Mm -hmm. And it stimulates conversation. Sometimes you can hear a pin drop and you can just hear people go, oh, man. <laughs> you know, it, it really makes them look at why am I doing what I'm doing? The real why. Mm -hmm. You know, that thing where you know that you are, I'm just walking towards that line to see how close I can get to sin without stepping over it. Like, it makes mm -hmm. you look at the real why. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, motives are slippery, aren't they? And our intentions are slippery. And so that real why, it takes a it takes some uh, probing to get to the real why. It's it helps to some don't I'm not going to trust my heart. I'm going to ask God to search me and know me. Yes. And let's see what's going on here because I I got to be careful. You know, you got to yeah. be careful. So I I take great um comfort in the fact that he knows me. And knows that why, and can and can and can share that with me because my sheep hear my voice. If I'm tempted away by my own sinful desires, then I should be very careful trusting my own heart. <laughs> I should be very careful that I should really be looking into and, and seeking God on each and everything that I'm getting ready to do. And it's why I tell people: as soon as I wake up, I surrender my day to God. What are we doing today? What what is the plan for today? Who are we serving today? How are we living today? I need this, you know. So, yes, yes, absolutely. So you also touched on this too that I know you do a lot of of guest speaking. So, um, what are some of the topics that you that you cover during during your guest speaking uh, opportunities? Mm -hmm. I I love to talk about relationships first and foremost and communication as well and have really focused in the last couple of years on the communication piece and pivotal conversations and how to have those effective pivotal conversations. And so we talk about the three 
C's of pivotal conversation. And that first C is to check emotions. And, and that's where we check um, what's happening inside that internal temperature that we talked about earlier. The second piece of that is to check our motives. I really believe that our motives are so slippery that it's important to lean into God and to hear from him about that motive of my heart, because sometimes the motive is a protest and I want to make you suffer a little bit because I don't mm. like what you just said or what you just did. Wow. And when I'm just kind of masking it with, well, I just want to talk about this a little further because I don't feel like you really understood me. That's pretty language around. I don't like what you just said, and I'm just going to make you hurt a little bit longer here. So I'm going to punish you a little bit. So it, so we want to check those emotions motives and we want to check our intentions so that when we come to the conversation, which is the second C, and that is how to communicate and clarify, that we come with a pure heart. God is interested in us having a pure heart. And I think by pure heart, that it means staying in connection with him and staying current with him. So what I did yesterday is gone, but today I can be current with him and my heart and keep it pure. And so then I can communicate without sabotaging the conversation because I've checked my emotions. I can come current with a pure heart and communicate really clearly what it is I'm feeling and what it is that I'm worried about and what it is that I really want. And then I find when I check those emotions, it just settles everything down. I've got it on paper and I know what is going on inside. And it's okay if you disagree with me and it's okay if you think differently than me because I know what's happening inside and I can help. I can wait for the other person to come around to understanding what's going on in them because if they haven't checked themselves, then they're, they might not know exactly where they are and they may need some time to kind of work it through and think it through and talk get through. And so that second C is just so critically important then to invite the other person. Like what's happening for you? What are you thinking? Like, what are you worried about here? Um, it, it sounds like, you know, it sounds like you're feeling frustrated with the way that happened yesterday, the way that went down yesterday. Tell me more about that. I love that. Tell me more. I love that. Help me understand some of those lines we actually script and give our people opportunity to practice. Help me understand um, what's troubling you here. And just offering that feedback helps other people to hear, to know that we're not, we're not just hearing them actually listening to them. Those are two very different things. Yes. Hearing's yeah, like hearing's the mechanical part of it, but the listening part of it, that's my I'm listening for your heart. I really care about this. And in marriage, I made a promise to care. I made a promise to care about the good, the bad, and the ugly, all of it. And so I think it's really important to remember that promise to care and in this communicate and clarify to truly listen to what the other person, listen to their experience and to their heart. The third C of that is to then create we solutions. We don't rush into that too quickly. Some people want to go there right away, especially the fixers. They want to rush to the <laughs> solutions. But then when we rush to solutions too quickly before we finish the communicate and clarify, then our people don't feel heard. And our people feel that rush to the solution. And they don't feel like you're really in it with them. And so in the create we solutions, 
we bring the other person alongside of us so that we're on the same team, we're on the same page, and we're going to create a solution together. And it's so easy to think about the other person. I've actually had women say this, actually, that he's my enemy. Mm. And in the we solutions, the other person is not the problem. The problem is the problem. And we clearly identify what that problem is. Like maybe it's that we're not sharing the sharing the the tasks within the house. And I feel like it's all up to me and I want to feel like we're a part of a team. That's the problem. The problem isn't that you're not helping out. <laughs> the problem is not you. You're not the enemy. And so we bring the other person along so that they're a part of the solution and we come up with the solution together. And, you know, in business, we talk about buy-in. Well, <laughs> we're always in sales. I don't know if you've noticed, but I had my grandchildren over this weekend and they were trying to sell me on a treat and the gingerbread cookies that we had just made and that they needed more than four gingerbread cookies. <laughs> I saw your gingerbread recipe online and I saved that post. Yes, because it's um it's uh it's it's gluten-free, isn't that is that was the post that it was? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it I, is. Oh yeah, I saw I saved that. <laughs> well it's so those yeah so we're always selling so that but we need buy-in with each other we need to buy into we're going to create this we solution together something that works for both of us that we can have a win-win solution and just in that working out together it helps us to be on the same page and it helps us to, it helps to bring us closer together too even recognizing that oh this person isn't the problem which is so easy to blame and be defensive. Right. But when we're not blaming and not defensive, the other person can be a part of that solution. So those are the three C's that we've been working through in these last couple of years. And that's the three C's of pivotal conversations, check emotions, check that internal world. The second C is to communicate and clarify. And within that, there's a realm of skills. And then finally, to create those we solutions. Was there anything that like surprised you when you launched your business and got into coaching? Was there anything that caught you off guard when when you launched? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had been coaching and mentoring for 15 years uh, before I launched my business. And so I had the skills and the gift and, you know, in, in you know, direction from God that this is what I'm to do. And I'm good at it. I help people get real results. I don't care about what doesn't work. I want to use what works to get my people results, whether it's in coaching or speaking mm -hmm. or training. But the promoting myself and the marketing and the sales, it was such a challenge for me. And I was surprised by how much there is to learn. And then when you talk about doing it digitally as well in the tech world, I remember the very first launch that we had, our website wasn't up. We needed a website for this big conference that I was speaking at. We actually got 300 email. I think, and actually, I think it was 500 emails from that one conference conference. And we were rushing and everything I went to do was new, whether it was just to send a video to someone, I didn't even know how to do that. There were so many skills 
skills that I was lacking that I needed to learn in order to run an online business. And and then, of course, there's all the it's a personal growth program in itself. Right. Right. <laughs> because every time I'm running into myself, <laughs> right. whether, whether it's a mindset about women in business or money or whether it's um, you know, being honest about my fears around, well, what happens if we succeed? <laughs> or whether it's my fears around, well, what happens if I fail? <laughs> what happens to my people? What like, So, so many things to learn. And that's what really surprised me in starting, uh, in starting our business. I thank God for Verve Studios, because what you're describing, they really are walking me through because it is the it is the sharing on social media. It is the it is the promoting. It is all of that. That that's that's where I didn't have the. It's like what's in today. How are people doing this today? And then I realized how like just I don't want to say outdated, but maybe even out of touch. Some of my ideas and my thoughts were. So I I hear you because so every a lot of the hurdles I started running into was the things that I didn't know that I didn't know, so to speak. <laughs> you know, so yes. Yeah. And, and, and the distractions too, Eric, my goodness, there's so many ways to build a business online. There are a lot of distractions and rabbit hole, rabbit trails to run down um, that I really try to stay focused on what I'm doing and not veer off, but it's easy to be distracted. I just had a discussion with someone yesterday who I did an interview for their podcast and I discussed with them, what's the business plan look like for you? Because if God is in it, when I wrote my business plan, I wrote it as a living, breathing document. That's why there's scriptures inside of it. So I wrote mm -hmm. it so that it's alive. Mm -hmm. And I said, so as God grows me and God and God continues to to peel back the layers on me, continues to sanctify me, as I continue to grow, this thing is going to to grow too. So I said, what's what's the business plan looking like? Because that way, you know, this is the direction we're going in. So now we can work from the goal. Now we can we can apply strategies that support the goal. Now you know what to say no to, to validate your yes. Because now I don't have to go this route because it doesn't fit the mission or the vision because I have something to work from. Mm -hmm. So I that was one of the, when I launched Redwood, that was probably one of the first two or three things I did. We registered for, for the name. Because I wanted, I did, I that part had to get done. So I'm like, if, if if this name's taken, we got to go back to the drawing board. There's no point in writing the business plan. Um, got the tax ID and then immediately started writing out business plan. Had the mission, had the vision. Okay, now we start here, and everything we do has to can now revolve around this. So it's okay if I say no to this speaking engagement that doesn't support the mission and vision of this. That's okay because mm -hmm. now I can say yes to one that does. So mm -hmm. I hear you. Mm -hmm. Yes. Some things I knew, some things I didn't, but I at least I had that piece <laughs> to keep me on that that lane. And that's incredibly helpful to keep you focused and to keep you in the right lane and not hopping over from lane to lane. I'm just mm -hmm. curious about this because there's people who listen to this podcast who also do guest speaking. I do guest speaking and public speaking myself. Is there anything you don't do before you guest speak? For example, I stay away from social media before I before I go speak at a conference or before I go preach, just because I, I usually just fast from it. Um, is there anything that you, you try to do or not do before you guest speak? 
Uh, something that I do is I ask, I contact the person or have a conversation with the person who is interviewing me or who has hired me. And I ask, who is your audience? What do they most need to hear? And I often ask this question, is there anything that they need to hear that you haven't told them that's maybe difficult for you to say that I can say for you? And so that they're they're the ones who have hired me. They're the ones that are, uh, or have invited me. And so I want to make sure that I am speaking to their audience. So I prepare more than I need to. I think it's really important to do my homework. And so I know who that person is that I is, is I'm working with and I know who their audience is. And then I release it into God's hands. So I do what I can do. And then I say, okay, this is yours now. I've done everything I can do. I think it's really important to prepare. I know some people wing it. I I think that's, for me, that would be irresponsible. I think it's, for me, it's the responsible thing to do to prepare. And then it's absolutely essential to say, okay, God, here it is. It's yours. Um, uh, have the people listen that you want to listen to it. Um, let it go out and may it go out with power. I usually, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, and I- is there anything I don't do before I public speak? Mm -hmm. I make sure I'm thinking in the zone. I am in the zone mm -hmm. uh, as I'm preparing. And so that's, that's what I do. And, and I don't even think about what I don't do. I just stay in the zone. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> to that point, that is usually why I try to send the podcast questions up front to the guests, whether they look at them or not is entirely up to them. I at least want to give them some kind of idea of this is how the show is going to go. We're going to let the spirit lead it. It's going to be conversation. But I just want you to have an idea of some of the things I may I may ask just so no one is caught off guard. Or if there's some, hey, that book hasn't been released yet. I don't want to talk about that. You know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I yes, try to do that right. up front. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. I am getting antsy because I cannot wait to ask you this question because this question <laughs> is only personal to me. I probably read anywhere from two to three John Maxwell books a year. I believe yeah. leaders are readers. I believe we have to be lifelong learners. And that's just, a, and I believe leaders are, are you know, I believe we, we serve the way Jesus did or that we should serve the way that Jesus did. Um, what was it like going through the John Maxwell Academy, that certification? Um, and what advice do you give to someone who's looking to go through that? It is hands down the best thing I have ever done or been wow. a part of, in part because of the coaches. Um, there are, at the time when I joined, there were five coaches, uh, one for business, mindset, speaking and coaching lanes. And then, of course, John and leadership himself, who is like the number one guru, leadership man, leader in the world. And there's just none other like him. And speaking to just watching him speak, I we were sitting at a table with uh, my daughter came with me to the certification as well as my husband. And we were sitting at a table together uh, during a church service. So John always runs church service for the certification. It's early in the morning. It's at 7 a.m. in the morning. And I said to my, my husband, Ooh. who is going to go to church at 7 a.m. in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> and the room was full, Eric. The room was full. and. Uh, at our table was a young woman who was very closed off, obviously there to criticize, not happy to be there, arms folded and just leaning back. And 
and just ready to, she looked like she was ready to pounce. And we watched as John spoke and we watched her open up just gradually and open up and, and just start to lean into what he was saying and the hope that he was sharing in Jesus Christ. And then we watched as she went forward to accept Jesus Christ as her savior. It's the most mm. amazing thing I've ever seen and sat through personally, just watching how God could use a speaker and, and move just the Holy Spirit move through the room and have so many people go forward. And so being a part of someone with Christ-minded values, and then being able to take all of his leadership principles are based in the Bible, and being able to, he's he's equipped me with so much content. Uh, so for example, I'm able to go into the jail, or I'm able to go into uh, that home for recovery and teach the 15 invaluable laws of growth. And they have gotten so much good out of that, just to have someone believe in them and the way that John does. And I can transfer that to them. And he's given us so much content, but then there are the coaches who I can be on every week with multiple coaches if I would choose to be, Mm -hmm. but to get the support that I need in order to grow the work and the business. And just the way that um, John provides opportunities for his coaches. So they've just been in Papua New Guinea. Mm. And he has something like 10 speaking invitations from 10 different countries to go in and to create country transformation. And so I've seen it uh, at an individual level. I've seen it from a couple. I've seen couples transform their marriages. And I've seen teams transform, but I've never seen a country transform. And so John gives his people, his coaches, opportunity to go into countries. And I was privileged to go into Paraguay to teach values-based leadership skills to students, junior high students in Paraguay. Now, this was the team's third trip into Paraguay. And so he starts with the top level. He never goes in. It's so respectful. He never goes in without the leaders, the president or the prime minister's invitation to come. He meets with that individual and then the, the, they meet with caucus coaches come in and they meet with caucus and they train and they coach leaders from the top level down and they go down the, by the third trip we're teaching in junior high schools leadership based wow. skills it is the most amazing thing that i have ever done and so that between the support and the people as well i met 50 coaches from around the world who have similar values in valuing people and loving god and that's pretty amazing too and so the team is responsible for marriages where people have actually singles have met <laughs> each other because it's a, it's a pool of of people who truly value other people and uh, many of them do love god as well and so if if anyone is interested in learning more about this team um i continue to to be a part of the team because of the tremendous values and the opportunities and the growth <clears throat> during covid John was the person that I turned to first um, to get hope in the midst of of uncertainty, in the midst of the pandemic, uh, because he knows how to, he's at his best 
in crisis. And so he then gave us content to be able to help our people lead in crisis. It's, he's just on top of it. He's He knows what's happening around the world and he is current with what's happening around the world. So I can't say enough good about the program and all that I've learned uh, through the program. I'm definitely and so if yeah. yeah, if anybody is interested in learning more, please reach out to me. I'd love to share more with you um about uh the the transformation that that has happened for me uh in this program. I am definitely gonna be touching base with you about that. I've thought about going through the Maxwell Academy for leadership for uh, a few years now. And I think it's the next step after I finish my my life coaching certification because I've I taught his um his five levels of leadership course a few times and I, it's one of the best leadership books I've read. It it really is. I mean that is probably one. Yeah, it's it's probably top five of my out of my favorite books. That's one of them because it it talks about the importance of, of the relationship building piece and building past a title. Um, it is, it's phenomenal. That is one of my favorite books. So I will definitely be picking your brain about that. <laughs> Absolutely. Give me a call. I want to hear from you. <laughs> will do. Will do. So you, you do a lot um, as far as the teaching, the coaching, you know, obviously, and being intentional with your marriage. How do you continue to avoid burnout? Like, how do you stay filled up and ministering out of your overflow? So what do you do to, to avoid burnout? Uh, number one, I do have boundaries around uh, the work. And so I um, tend not to answer messages on the weekend. Mm. I tend not to take calls on the weekend. Um, that's for my family as well as for, for me. Um, and so it's a time to, I am busy. I am busy through the week. So I need that time for my family as well. And um, for our marriage, uh, we make sure that we invest in our marriage, time, money, and energy, baby. Uh, it's, it goes to our marriage. And so we often take a holiday, uh, mostly every year. Pandemic has kind of put a, <laughs> but we take a trip every year and we just uh, just love each other and care for each other. Uh, we have a, a, a nightly exercise that we do that nurtures our marriage. And we ask each other, what was the high point of your day? What was the low point of your day? And what do you appreciate about me today? And that just helps us connect even in the busy seasons. Mm. Um, we're never too tired to do that small exercise, but I, we both love it. And we have done it for well over 20 years. And um, I sit almost every day uh, in my what I call my thinking chair, I have the leadership Bible, which is written. Uh, John's notes are added to yes. the Bible. I, I love reading it from that perspective. He he not only talks about leadership there, but also about relationship and communication. So that's helpful for me as well to think about the Bible through that lens. There's so many different lenses to read the Bible through, right? Um, and so just to really focus on, well, how are they communicating here? And what did that look like? What did, how did Jesus communicate here? It's, it's another great way to look at uh, lens through which to look at the word of God. And so that time is really precious to me that I get to spend in the mornings with him. Uh, and um, every morning we have this beautiful um, uh habit that we run together. Uh, my husband, Malis, and I, uh, we make a cup of coffee and we sit and we just pray together and we bring our concerns and our worries to, to, to the Father. And I have uh, beautiful friends that I connect with 
frequently and need in my life to uh, to to keep me uh, to keep me on the rails. And so I say it takes a village to look after me. <laughs> and of course, the John Maxwell team is a big part of of that as well, where I'm listening to calls frequently. And I get to hear about um, what's happening in other parts of the world from coaches from around the world. And that's incredibly helpful too. And the other thing that was helpful, one thing that really impressed me in the beginning was um, how much I know we're very different in many ways, but how much we have in common in the sense that there would be doctors who are, I am, I am a stay-at-home mom. Mm. <laughs> there would be doctors on the call who would say, but I don't have the confidence to do that. And I'm thinking, oh, we're kind of all the same, aren't we? <laughs> right. Because when we step into new skills, we all start on step number one. Right. <laughs> Whether we're a PhD or not, we're, when we're doing new things, we start at the beginning, all of us. And so it's incredibly helpful to be in a room, so to speak, even if it's virtual, full of people who are different. And yet there are many things that we have in common. And that helps me. That fills me up to meet other people from around the world, such as yourself, Eric. I love doing podcasts here and I love listening to podcasts. So I read every day. I listen every day and I write every day as well. That also helps me from, from not to not burn out. Wow. So I have that John Maxwell leadership Bible. And if it's, if you, if it's, if it's the same one, or maybe, um, or maybe I have a different edition, but I also love in there where he breaks down like the leadership principles of some of the characters in there. Um, when he talked about pilot and he kind of basically said, and he broke down his lack there of leadership ability. <laughs> I was like, this yes. is, I mean, I, I love that Bible. Um, it's, I have that. I just one of the few that I use that are still in the hard copy. Usually I'm using my phone right now because it's just so convenient. Mm -hmm. But you just inspired me for something I'm going to get back <laughs> to doing is reading on the phone and then flipping through there just to see the leadership principle that John um, points out in some of those scriptures. So thank you for that inspiration. I appreciate it. It's a good way to kick off the new year. <laughs> <laughs> if you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? If I could be remembered for one thing, it was that I loved, that I loved well mm. and I loved hard and transformed, that God used me to transform lives, to make a difference in people's lives. You know, I picture, uh, I, I don't know if this is my imagination or what, I picture that when you and I go to heaven, um, there will be two lines of people and we're going to be running through the middle and we're just going to be high-fiving because, and we're going to do this for other people, for each other too. Uh, high-fiving because, Oh, you said this and it impacted my life in a mighty mm. way. You did this and I knew I was loved and you said this and I knew that God was real in my mo in, in that day, or you came and you brought me a casserole. And I just, I just felt like God was in the room. I had this young man's, say to me, um, it was at his father's wake and his father died very suddenly, very young, and they were very close. And I had 
no words. I thought, God, I just have nothing for this young man. I, I don't know what to say. And so when, when we have this tradition, you walk through and you, you, you say something to the person, uh, who's been left behind or the people. And I just, I, I know him and I gave him a hug and I just held him. I had no words. And he said to me much, much later, Eric, he said, I just felt like God was in the room. Mm. I was like, okay. (laughs) I thought it was like, I had nothing for him, but you know, the Holy Spirit lives in us, right? So wherever we go, there he is. And there he was doing his thing, letting this young man know that God was with him, even in the midst of this grief and this pain. And so I just want to be remembered that, um, that I, um, that that God lived in me strong and mighty and that other people were moved toward him because of the life that I lived. It is amazing to me how, when people are going through grief, how sometimes just hugging them or just sitting there and listening means the world to them. Instead of saying, Oh, I understand, you know, like it's, sometimes just that hug and just letting them know look i'm here if you need anything and then just checking in or what those it's amazing what that what that can do i it's the holy spirit can flow through silence i'll I'll cap it with that i will cap it with that the holy spirit can sometimes flow if the vessel was silent (laughs) yes absolutely absolutely yeah i I ask every guest these next three questions. So I'm, I'm really curious what your responses are, are going to be to this. So what motivates you? Mm-hmm. What motivates me is the transformation that I see. Well, first of all, God has done an amazing thing in my life and I feel compelled to share what he's done. I, I, I can't not share what he's done in my life with other people because he has given me hope and life and a brand new marriage. And even though we're married 42 years, Eric, <laughs> it's new every day. And um, I I just can't help but uh, pass on what he's given. That's what motivates me. So, so why do you do what you do? I do what I do. Um, there's a home on my way from from home to the capital city where I live, and I frequently drive this, and there's a home. When I pass by, I pray a prayer of gratitude because in that home, we've worked with that family. We've worked with that man, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, they, they came to a crisis in their marriage, and he came to us, and he... was so hungry. He did everything we asked. He read everything we asked him to read. He was a student of his wife. He won her back. And that family is together. She, in the meantime, uh, she came back and she found herself Mm. and she became more beautiful in the process. And that family is still together. And so when I when I look at that home, I just say a big thank you, a big gratitude for being a part of their lives and what God did in their home and for using us and the transformation that my people uh, receive is why I do what I do. I see 
be what God is doing in their lives. And I just need to keep on going. And my my daughter asked me some time ago about retirement and because she works with me. <laughs> and she's wondering about the plan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't ever want to retire. Uh, if I retire, it would be to do something more or better than what's happening right now. But I can't even imagine uh, that happening. So that's why I do what I do. I see the results that my people get. And I just need to keep on going. Wow, that is an amazing answer. Thank you for sharing that. That brings me, unfortunately, to the last question of the of the podcast. And thank you so much for being on here today. I really appreciate it. This is our let them know segment. If there is anything you want to share, say, promote, Bible verse you want to read, the floor is yours. And please let them know. <sighs> Thank you, Eric. It's such a pleasure to see you again and a pleasure to be here on the podcast. And, and I really appreciate you and the work that you're doing. And I'm excited about the work that you're doing too. So yeah, you can find us at For Better Forever. That's our company. It's the numerical number four, Better Forever. And uh, if you've been listening to this conversation about pivotal conversations and you've been putting off the next pivotal conversation that you need to have, I have a free resource and it's called the Seven Day Challenge to help you get ready for your next pivotal conversation. It's that first C that we talked about in check emotions. So each day you're going to receive a short video with a simple action step to help you prepare step-by-step for that next pivotal conversation. So you can go from not knowing what to say or even how to approach that pivotal conversation to knowing exactly what it is that you want to say and so that you feel ready for that conversation so you don't sabotage it. And instead, you have a better outcome. And you can go to forbetterforever.com forward slash challenge to pick up that seven-day challenge. And that really is the best way to stay in touch with me because there you can sign up for our weekly email. It's called the Tuesday Brew with Anne because I love my coffee. (laughs) (laughs) And that's where I share weekly communication tips to help you communicate in a way that aligns with your values. Wow. Thank you so much. And we are actually going to be sharing all of your links and all that to make it easy for people to find it and and get to that. So I'm going to be signing up because I will take all the encouragement and advice and communication advice I can get. So I have one more thing I would love for you to do. If you could close us out in prayer, that would be fantastic. Oh, I would love to. Thank you, Eric, for that privilege. Thank you so much. Thank you. Let's pray. Father God, we just come to you as men and women who love you with all our hearts. Father, you are life. You sent life. And thank you that we can celebrate um, your sending Jesus Christ to us. How we need you, Father God. Thank you for bridging the gap. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus, your son. and thank you, Father, that you we can lean into you and we can hear your voice and your Holy Spirit living strong and mighty in us. Father, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead, you live in us. And so, Father, live strong and mighty and impact the people around us with your word and your truth. May it go out in a powerful way and strike the hearts of people people that need to hear it so that they will know your hope and the life that you give. Father, thank you for your heart and your love and your goodness to us and your truth. Thank you for the grace and truth in your word and through your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And Father, I just want to thank you for for Anne and, and her ministry. I just want to thank you for everything you're doing in her and through her. 
Lord, I just pray you just continue to just pour out your love and your blessing, your goodness over her life, Father. I pray you just continue to expand her territory and give her eyes to see and ears to hear, Lord. I thank you for everything you're doing in her and through her. And I just I just thank you for all the testimonies that's going to come from all the people that she is touching and blessing. We just pray and ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And thank you so much for doing the show today. I appreciate it. I would love to have you back on here in the future to just discuss something topical that you, you know, whether it be the coach, the relationship piece, the communication, anything. I'd, I'd love to have you back on here. Thank you so much, Eric. It's a pleasure to be here in the Rooted in Christ podcast. Great to chat with you today. Thank you, Ann. I appreciate it. Have a good day. Bye.